You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, how you doing? Um... It's uh, it's Monday night. I'm struggling a little bit. My wife was sick all weekend, and I'm starting to feel it. I don't know if, if she gave it to me or just sitting out in the Meadowlands for God knows how many hours in the freezing cold. But um, I apologize in advance if I'm feeling a little, sounding a little, you know, shaky with this. Um, we did go for COVID test today. The results we haven't got back yet, but uh, we're gonna struggle through this just like we've struggled through this horrible giant season together. Yeah, so we're not going to waste a whole lot of your time for this one. So we'll jump right into it. The biggest news coming off of this loss here, I mean, Dallas won this game 21-6, to irrelevant. Um, kind of knew that was coming. This was sort of like a preseason game in a certain sense. Um, but the biggest news is that uh, the Giants like issued this weird like press release basically from the medical staff explaining the Daniel Jones move to injured reserve for his neck strain uh, thing. So that just... It opens a whole conversation about the quarterback position that uh, it, it's it you got to start having this conversation pretty loudly and pretty passionately. Well, <laughs> first of all, to everybody who I was um, having very lively debates with today on on Twitter, I, I appreciate it. I, I really like the giant fans that we interact with. You know, either who respond to this show or we interact with with on Twitter or we hang out with in L sixteen at, at the tailgate. So I'm glad we have very, you know, smart, passionate Giant fans. Um, having said that, you know, I am very – I'm – the way I feel about this whole thing with this, you know, Glennon versus Jake Fromm thing to me is really – it's a whole big to-do about nothing. Uh, you know, I don't know how you feel, Grump, but I kind of had a feeling that as soon as uh, Daniel Jones didn't play – you know, in that second week that he wasn't coming back. And, you know, that to me means the season we all pretty much assumed was over really is over. And unfortunately, not only is the season over, it almost kind of puts a pause on how this team is developing for next year. And how do you properly evaluate, you know, the coaching staff, the offense, everything, because you're not playing with your starting quarterback. You're playing with backups. And, you know, Mike Lennon, is we, it's very obvious, is not a very good backup quarterback. Especially he, in this game, he, he looked pretty he brutal. Awful. He is awful. He's been bad all year. He's getting progressively worse and worse. And I've been saying this ever since this show has started. If you have to rely on your backup quarterback, your season's probably over anyway. Unfortunately, this team is not very good. The expectations were not very high for this team. Relatively speaking, this team was not expected to be a Super Bowl contending team, was not expected to be a playoff team. I know some people think that the expectations are higher because of the money that was spent in the offseason. Some comments that were made by Mara, which might have been, you know, misinterpreted a little bit. You know, he never said he expected this team to be a playoff team. He said he hoped this team was a playoff team. And now once you that gets into the Twitter sphere and becomes parroted on talk radio and becomes a rallying point doesn't mean it's true uh this team was never expected to be that great 
to be, to begin. It's, it's still part of a rebuild, and we're still working on that path. So the expectation of you know what your backup quarterback should be on this team and how much money you spend on a backup quarterback dictates who you actually have. The Giants had Colt McCoy last year. They tried to save some money by signing uh, Mike Glennon. Now, it turns out in hindsight, the market for uh, McCoy. Colt McCoy wasn't as great as what the Giants feared it would be, and it ended up being for about the same amount of salary this year. But, you know, he got less than what he was making last year. But the expectation was, uh, you know, this team is not a backup quarterback away difference from making a serious run. And, you know, if this team was down for three, four, five weeks with a backup, the season was over anyway. So having said that, Mike Lennon is not a good backup quarterback. Mike Lennon will not be back next year. So the, the anger being raised at Mike Lennon, I just don't understand from, you know, a large part of the fan base. It's like, it, he is what he is. We are what we are right now. He's going to be gone in a couple of weeks, whatever. My thing is, is I just don't understand the, I don't know if it's expectation or the assumption that people think that Jake Fromm is the savior and the savior of what? I mean, if you're excited because he can be your backup quarterback, we are in more – our expectations for everything are extremely low that we're excited to have a backup quarterback. If your expectation is, well, let's see what Jake Fromm is. Maybe he can be our starting quarterback going forward. I have news to tell you. That's not the case, and that's not what management ownership thinks of what he is. So I, I think that – the I want to see what Jake Fromm can do, because what else? You know, I, I get it. We're all very frustrated with the losing, right? This is what this is kind of coming down to: is you want to have some hope for anything. You're tired of watching this team be non-competitive. You're tired of watching losses. And does Jake Fromm mean we have a better chance to possibly win next week? You know, at Philadelphia, probably not. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a third-string quarterback who's only been on this roster for a couple of weeks, doesn't know the whole playbook, hasn't repped with the first teams that much. But, you know, thinking, you know, what this means in the grand scheme, it means nothing. So I just, I, I don't know, Grump, I, I know I'm kind of going around in circles here a little bit, but why, what is this fascination with Jake Fromm and thinking that it means anything more than just change for the sake of change because it quote unquote can't be worse than it already is right now? Well, I mean, I think you hit some things like right on the head, right? Like if, you know, a backup quarterback and its worth uh, is really can you survive a game and a half to two games without your quarterback should the worst happen, you know, so you can actually bring him when he comes back, he's much closer to 100% than, you know, 85% or something like that. Can you survive that that game and a half where he goes down mid-game and you need to close it out and then maybe start next week? Can you scheme around one and a half games to two games? That's really a backup quarterback's like main objective. I mean, these stories we see of Nick Foles taking the Eagles to the to the Super Bowl and winning and these stories we you know, Jeff Hostetler doing similar thing. Um, that is above and beyond and those are Super Bowl caliber teams 
with a backup quarterback, where you are much more flexible in what you can and can't do. So um, for much of the NFL, if you go to your backup quarterback for more than two games, your season is in serious, serious jeopardy. I mean, you have to be in a, you know, competing for a bye to suffer something like that. And there's exceptions to the rule. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee your season over, but realistically and the odds say you are going to suffer because it quite frankly it the level of play drops there's only you know we we make fun all the time in the league it's like there's not enough starting quarterbacks to go around the league because we watch some of these teams it's like why is player x starting in this league he's awful so when you get past you know the 32 starters and you start getting into the second tier of backup quarterbacks you're looking at very you know guys that are intelligent guys that are probably be coaches at some point who are de facto support guys coaches on the roster as it is that's kind of like their primary role guys like brian schottenheimer for example when he was you know a backup quarterback for florida backup quarterback in the league a little bit but he was really trying to work his chops to become an offensive coordinator down the line. that's why these guys are in the league that's why they have jobs yeah, so I mean, like it, it just stands to reason that if you're like a 500 team, you're you're four and four in the middle of the season, your starting quarterback goes down, you have to go four games with your backup. I mean, right there, you're looking at potentially being four and eight. If you do go to the playoffs after that, because your quarterback comes back, it's going to take five straight to get you to nine and eight and get you to the. So, so this is what we're saying. We're just like, if you have to rely on a backup quarterback for for that long. You know, your season is probably over at that point, unless, again, the exceptions are you're you're competing for a first round bye in the playoffs or, or whatever. You're at that point you're a Super Bowl contending roster and you are much more flexible schematically. So I, I agree. Um being excited to see if you've got your backup next year or not, you know, some of us like you know, I get excited for stuff like that because I'm a junkie. If you're a casual fan, that's a pretty low I mean, I don't really know what you expect to see. So you, you're you're going to see a guy that, oh yeah, I think we've got the guy on the roster that can make it through a game and a half. I mean, that's that, that's very very unexciting, even if you have found who, it. Grump, who was the quarterback we drafted? Was it Alex Tanny? I think where we didn't draft him, but we had him. Uh, then it wasn't Tanny. Then it was who was the guy we got from uh, Syracuse? Ryan Nassib. Nassib, remember what the quote was? We drafted him, so we'd never, hopefully, never have to play him. Uh, yeah, I think that was the. I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what the mentality of like, well, let's see what our backup quarterback is. Right. You know what? Because he was the first quarterback we had drafted when Eli was here. I think mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, like obviously we had other guys on the roster and whatever, but um, I think Ryan Nassib was the first quarterback that was drafted since Eli had been well that was after the second Super Bowl. So this was the Jerry Reese air quotes twilight of uh Eli's career uh right. moment. So that was like a big deal. Um and then so that he, so that quote was important, you know? I don't think he was ever drafted to be the heir apparent. He was not. Yeah, no, that's that's right. the point. That's why that quote was so important and that quote applies to backup quarterbacks in general. Um and remember something with a backup quarterback, a guy like, you know, we're talking about uh, Mike Glennon, or we're talking right now about Jake Fromm or something. You know what percentage of the salary cap is allocated towards the backup quarterback? <laughs> like one one hundred and eighty seventh of the salary cap. Yeah. That puts in perspective 
you know, what value is placed on your backup quarterback? It's really kind of like it's a break-the-glass plan to get somebody to play. And your third-string quarterback has a completely different role on your roster as your backup quarterback. Your third-string quarterback is the guy who takes reps in practice because you don't want to throw your guy's arms out during practice. He's the guy who runs the scout team. He's the guy who's the backup in case the starter gets hurt and you have an emergency guy to play there. I mean, the Giants went into the season with two quarterbacks. I would be very shocked if they go into the season next year with three quarterbacks again. The only reason he's on this roster is because Daniel Jones went down and they needed a backup. They needed an emergency backup. So let's not fool ourselves that there's a master plan. Well, I mean, he jumped Lewerke on the roster. <laughs> Lewerke, you know, throws like this. So <laughs> Although if you look at Jake Fromm, I mean, if you watch his throwing motion. It is weird. It's very weird. Um, so I will correct you on one thing. I don't know that they were – they fished for Mike Glennon to save money. I think they wanted a backup quarterback that had the deeper arm. Uh, because Colt McCoy, they had to eliminate a decent chunk of their playbook when he played because they simply – and we saw it when they tried to run some of the plays. It was a disaster. I mean he really – it was kind of like a trebuchet throw. Whoop. Lost your camera there, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean so th- that was really I think – and what was really interesting about it is that that was another one of the offseason moves that just made it appear that it was like, oh, man, we really are going to have a more downfield offense this year. You know, we go out there, we drafted Kenny Galladay and uh, – I'm sorry, we, we signed Kenny Galladay, we drafted Kadarius Tony. You know, we, we got Mike Glennon as our backup quarterback now. Like it's clear we're throwing downfield. So that was the big head scratcher. So I think – some of the money thing, whatever. But I, I think the soul of what you were actually saying is still kind of true. Like, I think they knew that Mike Glennon was still not a very high-caliber quarterback or anything of the sort. It was simply a backup quarterback that was going to fit the offense better in case he needed to play. We had somebody that could play the way we wanted. He's just not very good at it. You yeah, know what I mean? Thing, yeah, and here's the thing that's going to be interesting next year. You know, Daniel Jones, you know, he's out on IR next, this, you know, rest of the season. We really don't know the extent of this neck injury. So hmm. do we know he'll be ready to start you know, throwing with teammates and stuff in the offseason? Do we know will he be ready for OTAs? Will he be well, ready for training camp? Here's so what we do know. Camp. I will say what we do know, though. We know that it's just contact with him. His throwing motion, all of that stuff is all fine. That's why he's able to throw, and he was able to practice just the way he would as a quarterback since it's a non-contact practice position anyway. It's just being cleared for contact, which is – I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about it. It doesn't sound that serious to me, but that's kind of irrelevant to my bigger point about Daniel Jones anyway. So I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my my point being is that – you know. Besides all the other things that we've been concerned about Daniel Jones for what is durability, you know, the concussion, you know, this, that, the other thing, the importance of a backup quarterback is probably greater next year than it was this year or last year even. So, again, I'm, no offense to Jake Fromm. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but the thought of, well, what can he do, you know, he is what he is, and I, I really don't know what you're going to see out of the guy to make you think not only can he be a capable backup in an emergency, but a guy who may have to play, and maybe a lot. If, if Daniel Jones, for some reason, 
never gets a you know this is a possibility that he may never, never get clearance to play. I mean, it's it's a neck. You know, he he could injure it again or something. It could be a chronic thing. I don't think they're going to want to go into next year with a guy that well, we don't know and just because he had a nice drive and complete garbage time. Yeah, well, you know, let's you know, let's talk about that garbage time drive there. That was pretty much preseason level uh, of defense from Dallas Cowboys. There, don't don't get to it. I don't know that I saw a single person get that excited about it. But if you were internally well, getting excited about it, don't get excited. We were, about we were on the we were on the train already. We left. Yeah, I and, was gone. But and, I mean, I, I've seen train, it. I watched the it. The train was. I mean, you heard people. A little like oh oh kind of like from people like who were watching the game on their phones like there was a there was a weird excitement level because he was completing some passes now again we've beaten down so badly this season that anything makes us happy but that's you know, the the coaching staff is looking at every rep in practice and so that's uh, make their evaluation right exactly I mean you have plenty of practice time to evaluate from if you I mean he's an exclusive rights free agent so there's no reason to panic about him or anything like that but I mean the the, the excitement I, I think uh, hmm, what am I trying to say what was palpably different between the two quarterbacks on the field was that Mike Lennon is very stuck on his first read very stu- I mean like really staring down so he he appears terrible. You know, it's very obvious to even casual football fans that, like, mechanically there's problems there. But also that he just doesn't move very well. Jake Fromm was able to avoid some rush stuff with his own feet, which makes him look like a more capable backup. Now, my, the, the point at the very top of this, though, is that Mike Lennon is not going to be the backup next year. He looks like dog shit. You know, it's just it's not good enough. And the other thing, Grump, to go with that is not only will he not be knocked next next year, Jake Fromm is not going to be competing with Daniel Jones to be the starter next year. So no. even if even if for some reason and against what you and I believe, he be his name as the backup quarterback next year, let's put it in perspective of what that really means. Is it's really kind of a kind of a who cares? Well, <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell you what the I, amount of attention it's getting and the amount of think it's going to get this week in the matter of discussion we're spending on this even i mean like we're arguing from a position of of uh defeat here because in all honesty you should want jake Fromm to go out there and play lights out because he costs like four hundred thousand dollars i mean i would love for that because now the next question we have is what happens to daniel jones before next season starts because the fifth year option becomes a very very real conversation and there is I would say fair arguments on both sides of what to do about it because this isn't just a fifth-year option on a kicker. This is a fifth-year option on the most expensive position in, I don't know, all of sports maybe? Who knows? Uh, When I initially broke this down and there's no way to get the actual cost right now, you can only get an estimated cost and it's going to be north of $20 million. That is guaranteed. So once you sign this deal, the dead cap number for cutting them that fifth year is the full amount. So again, this is not no $7 million figure. This is north of $20 million. So this is a very, very serious decision for a guy who has not had a single year so far that was quantifiably good. Yes, but not also – I'm not making a case or anything by saying that. I'm just stating the, the starter there. That, that, is, that is true, but I mean, if we want to break down his career to date, 
we you know, we've talked about this at nauseum all of the reasons why he hasn't had that quantifiable opportunity to prove himself you know we've talked about the COVID year we've talked about he's on his third play caller in his career we've talked about all the injuries we've talked about the offensive line we talked about the injuries to himself we talked about a, a multitude of things that we have we honestly have no idea of what we have in this quarterback and it, it reminds me a little bit of you know it's a completely different era no salary cap but what did we have in phil sims after the first couple of years a guy that was injured quite a bit on a very bad team and you know the, the, the old timers who are listening to this know there was like why did we even draft this guy and why are we bothering with him uh you know now of course there's a salary cap and, and the money is a is a factor but there's a lot of things you have to think about it's not just such a a, a cut and dry thing of 20 million dollars like what does the 20 million dollars where does that rank in nfl starting quarterbacks for salary next year what well, the whole point, the, the whole point is actually I can give you the exact rule here. Hang on. That is the fifth year option rule is. And so for Daniel Jones, we already know what it will be. But there's several rules here. So for him, it would be oh, – shit. Let's see. So there's – there's it, it's dictated by performance now. So um, with two or more Pro Bowl selections, so that obviously not Daniel Jones right there, original on the original ballot during the first three seasons of contracts, the fifth-year option is the franchise tender, which is the average of the five highest salaries for a player's position in the fourth year of the contract. One Pro Bowl selection, so still not Daniel Jones, on the original ballot during the first three seasons, deal puts the fifth-year salary at the transition tender, which is the average of the ten highest salaries from a player's position in the fourth year of the contract. Participating... Okay. Participating in 75% of offensive or defensive plays, whichever is applicable, which is Daniel Jones now we're talking about, in two of the first three seasons or deal of deals, or an average of at least 50% playtime in each of the first three seasons, sets the fifth-year average at the average of the third through 20th highest salaries at a player position. So that's where that number comes from. Okay, so third to 20th. So so just for the quarterback all, position, all, though, all, remember, all, wait, 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 wait. Has he qualified, has he qualified for that? Yes. Has he played enough snaps for that? I think so, yeah. Because okay. it's only out of two of the first three seasons he has to play 75%. Okay, so the first year he didn't. The first year he only missed three games. He only missed three games the first year? He played week three and he missed that game Eli came back against That's the correct. Dolphins. That's correct. That's correct. So I would say he definitely hit that one in the first year and he played all of last year, didn't he? With minus uh, two games with Colt McCoy? Yeah, he missed the Seattle game and he missed another game, yeah. This would be the only year that I think sets Okay, so, so, so he's somewhere between three and 20. Right, and what I'm saying is that the quarterback payout for that three through 10 is massively different then like 11 through 15 and then 15, 16 through 32 or, or 20 or whatever we're talking about here. Th- those are very big, different chunks of numbers that skew the number. Where, and I, I, did, I did a preliminary guess as best as I could of what the contracts would be somewhere about in that year would put him north of 20 million. Now, that could be wrong based on the way sh- things shake out. But that was my best guess at the time, which was at the bye week only a couple weeks ago. OK, so we're looking at probably in terms of starting quarterbacks 1 to 32, probably somewhere slightly north of the medium. Yes. For one year. Yes. Right? So to me, 
that doesn't seem like as much as a massive risk for a guy that, you know, for one year. I mean, if it was something where we had a, it was like, you know, you're guaranteeing for three more years at that number, that's one thing. But for one year, I mean, unless something catastrophically goes south on the guy, because we're also expecting, our assumption is this offensive line between now and that fifth year will improve. We are hoping hmm. that the physical health of this team can't be as bad as it was this year. We are hoping by year five that the general manager slash coaching situation will be solidified more. Whether uh, Joe Judge is still here and he has hired a different offensive coordinator, one that's improved over Jason Garrett, or we keep who we have now and there's continuity and it just starts to gel more, all of these things. So to me, if we're paying somewhere a little slightly north of the median, that doesn't seem as much as a risk as saying the number the number 20 million scares you. When you put it in perspective of everybody else, it doesn't seem that bad in for one year. And if it doesn't work, because all, and the other thing to factor into this too, Grump, is that there are other needs on this team, bigger needs, I feel, than the quarterback. That for high draft picks, I don't want to waste just yet on a quarterback. We have to address this offensive line very, very badly. We have to address, you know, edge rushing on this team badly, linebacker badly. Those to me are issues that are bigger, you know, concerns that I'd rather address with very, very high draft picks. We have the two this year, you know, we, you know, next year we'll probably have another high draft pick and stuff. So when you factor all of these things in together, I'm willing to take that risk for a fifth year and if it doesn't work and you know we we move on and we address from there but I, I think right now i'm willing to take that risk so i i think that that's a pretty compelling point right there like it, it is really just middle of the pack money um you know if, in short term it, yeah and and your evaluation of him is at least marginally I mean, it's it's more than marginal. We have to concede that it's more than marginally skewed by just the talent around. Um, now, some of that is a little bit of excuse because Daniel Jones has not been. He is. There's plenty of things to point out that he needs to get better at. That is fair, but but I mean, it, to say that he was in a perfect situation and he's not getting better is an absolute lie, uh, and and no one really thinks that, right? So. Uh, it is a perfectly fair point to say it's middle of the pack money. We we didn't even get a chance still to evaluate our, our guy, which is our bad. But the fact remains that if if you don't do this and now he outplays, you're not going to have to outbid somebody else to keep him. But it may have been a flash in the pan one year thing. So now you're 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 not going to sign him to a one year deal at that point. You're signing to many years. Now you're tying yourself to him. That's a fair point. I agree with that. The biggest problem with that though is the way that contracts were structured to get guys in here to be playmakers for him or to make this team better, etc. Now become potential cap casualties. And the whole reason you brought them in was for the talent that they were worth the money. Now you have guys like. Leonard Williams, who played through a serious serious enough injury in this game and didn't play poorly. I mean, that's even if he's doing it, even if he's only doing it for his own selfish statistics, whatever, it, that still is something that 
if this is a better team, you are so proud of the fact that this guy is doing this for your team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of irrelevant, the fact that it's just for his statistics or whatever. But, I mean, you have guys that you're paying a lot of money to in 2023 that you intentionally brought in, you know, guys like Adoree Jackson, $16.5 million, but $4.5 million dead cap. So maybe you're going to cut somebody who you know is very talented and can help your team. You have so many guys like this. I mean, the big ones are Logan Ryan, $12 million cap hit, $3 million dead money in that year. 2023, let's look at um, Leonard Williams is what? He is $25.5 million, only $7.5 million dead. And the biggest, obviously, is Kenny Galladay, $21 million, $10 million dead. Is he now a dead cap? Is he? Is there a potential that he's a casualty? Because you did this fifth-year option with Jones, he is. And that well, Grump, is what you have to weigh. Well, Grump, there's also the massive elephant in the room, too. Hmm. Saquon Barkley. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's something – if we're trying to uh, – how are we going to handle the salary cap in 2023 and beyond? A decision has to be made about what are we going to do about Saquon Barkley based upon, you know, his physical, you know, durability. And quite frankly, the way the season's been going, how are you using him? And what does his coaching staff really think of him? I mean, we can, you know, we can probably take a couple seconds to talk about the usage of Saquon Barkley since he's been back. No, he hasn't looked good coming back this year, but I think we can both agree yesterday was the best we've seen him look as far as having moves, being quick, doing things that you know looked like the old Saquon Barkley. The problem is, where is he? Yeah, so you know, I, I think that's fair. You know, they, they've – they have – kind of dialed back his reps and it looks like a lot more of a one-two punch with him and Booker um, and I don't know what the reasoning is behind that you know if there you know is any or if it's simply game planning but it certainly seems that there's no this offensive line didn't get better this year and it didn't get better because guys got hurt and there was no work done to address the depth you know what I mean it just that's what happened that is the story Saquon Barkley is not going to have a great rushing year because of this offensive line this year. Even you know, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker is not going to have the best year of his career. You know what I mean? Like, or, or whatever. You, you get my point. Like, you just concede that at this point. You've got a guy coming back from an ACL tear that you're spending a boatload of money on. That's already tied. That's done. You've got this superstar. You want to get the most of him. At this point, maybe it's best to just manage his reps, let him work his ACL back in, in, in ways that, that are just – not entirely on him, where it's just like, okay, you're back. You're going to play 95% of the snaps, you know. And that may be what's going on right now, too. Yeah, it, may, it might be. It, it seems that way. But but I think in the last three games, we've slowly seen him get better and better into the swing of things. I mean, he's still not the Barkley we saw, you know, from two years ago or whatever. But he is noticeably become – if, if he were a rookie him. that just did this, he'd be like, oh, who's this kid? You know what I mean? So, uh, so I guess, you know – you know, right now, and again, there's a lot more things we have to see. Would you rather give Barkley a big money extension, or would you rather give Daniel Jones the fifth year option? I'd rather give Daniel Jones the fifth year option if those are my two choices. I, I don't really, I don't know what you do with Barkley. He's just destined to be gone at this point, unless you're deciding to make a, a huge, huge investment in a guy. 
because I, I just don't see how he, he's worth seven million next year. That's his fifth year option. That's what we're tied to. He we're stuck with that. Um, so I, I just don't know. There's no way to extend him unless you're paying more than that. I, I mean, or just slightly less of that, and you're getting him for several years at a very high price. There's just no way he's staying around. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he, I think he's just. He's just got to be gone, and th- by default, it goes to Daniel Jones. But I, I also see your side of the Daniel Jones thing. I think it's a, a pretty fair point. It's worth kind of you know, seesawing in my mind about what I want to do, and it makes me want to kick the can down closer to the decision point later on. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need more information on Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones still has the potential. And I think if you pair him with an a, a offensive coordinator who best utilizes his skill set, you match him up with an offensive line that does his best to protect him in the scheme you want to put him in the best position to succeed. You keep building these weapons that he has. I mean, again, you have a Kenny Galladay. You have a Kadarius Tony. I mean, we forget about Kadarius Tony. He's He's been pretty much a non-factor this year, but he'll be back next year. And he's a – we saw what he could do, the joystick ability, and he can create something out of nothing, you know, I, I, I'm just not ready to give up on it yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, we never discussed the possibility of trading for Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's true. Um, I mean, so let's just let's just pretend that it's a, a legit because I don't know how legit it is. I mean, some people say the interest in New York for him is very very real for personal reasons, etc. Um, I mean, what would you trade for him? Nothing. Okay. This team, this team is way too far away to be gutting, you know, future assets to get a quarterback who is not young. I mean, how old is Russell Wilson? He's been in the league now. Ooh, I just had it up too. Hang on. Yeah, he's not a spring chicken, and you know, again, I don't even know how we're we're worrying about Russell you know, Wilson. No, no, you easy on that spring chicken because Russell Wilson is just a little bit younger than me. He's 33. <laughs> okay, Junior. <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, but, I mean, you know. I'm hoping to grow hair on my chest very soon. <laughs> we have enough. Any more of those shots you, you did at the tailgate, you probably will have some hair. That, 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 we're not going down that road. That's. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, the guy's 33 years old. His, you know, we're worrying about how are we going to be able to afford Daniel Jones for one year at $20 million? How are we going to fit him into the salary cap? Well, let me tell you a little something about the salary cap for Russell Wilson. In 2022, it's less than $20 million. Okay. No, but, I'm just kidding. It's it's um the cap yeah. hit is actually thirty seven million dollars. Thirty seven million. I was going to say <laughs> nuts. Yeah, I, was, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're talking about something that could be potentially double what the amount of right. Daniel Jones is. Um, but I, I think so, it's not so much the the twenty million dollars for Daniel Jones is a lot of money is that it's a lot of money for something that you have seen nothing quantifiable and you have to make the decision now before you'll ever be able to see anything more that's the thing and so part of that also is as fans we only see what we see we don't see anything in practice as well which can be a negative as well don't think that i'm defending daniel jones when i say that he may not be as sharp in practice uh you know he may you know, look like maybe he doesn't pay as much attention as he should. Maybe he doesn't pick up on things in the film room. We don't know any of that stuff. So those are things that are factored in as well. Right. But let's get back to Russell Wilson. Yeah. The, the acquisition cost, forget the cap hit. The, 
they're, they're going to probably want like, you know, two, three number one picks, probably other assets that we have on this team. We can't afford to be giving that stuff away. I mean, look at this roster. Even in the best of times with everybody healthy, we need to build this offensive lineup. And we're going to say that every single day on this show and every single day on Twitter until it's fixed. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It could be Daniel Jones or Russell Wilson or Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. You know, without an offensive line, they're going to be on their back. They're going to be throwing picks. They're, they're you know, there's going to be a lot of three and outs. So it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense to bring a guy like him. And also, why would Russell Wilson want to be on this team if, you know, stay in Seattle? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, you know, that that's – I made that point. It, people have said that it's it's kind of the, the end of his career. It's going to be like the last five years he plays football. Maybe maybe five years is a little – Conservative, maybe maybe it's slightly over five because a lot of these quarterbacks are playing closer to the, to forty years old now. So no, but, but five years five years is about those right. Quarterbacks are though. I, mean, I know, I know, but 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 what? what if they have great offensive lines to protect them. They never hit. Right. That's not but, happening in New York, right? Okay, now. okay, but the the reason he wants to come here is to at the end of his career be in a position where he can do philanthropic things and his wife can do things out of New York. There there is a legit interest there, selfishly or, or whatever. So there is an interest for him to come here. Period. Now you can also say that he's just open to it. You know when he meets you know, the front office or whatever, he doesn't feel like this team is headed in a direction where it's ever going to get any better, then maybe he shuts the door on that right away and he goes somewhere else. I don't know. I'm not saying that that is a slam dunk thing. It's just enough for there to be interest for him. On top of the fact that he's going to be able to make money on endorsement deals out here like crazy anyway. So in the short term, he makes more money, even if he makes less money. Aaron Rodgers makes more money than God in endorsements he plays in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But but Aaron Rodgers, don't do that and you know why you did that. that, that what I'm going to slam you for on that one. That is such an outlier that there is an Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I mean, there is – Baker Mayfield may not be on commercials next year. Now, he, you know, he's not in commercials because he's in Cleveland. He's in commercials because he was a personality coming out in the draft and had some early success. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield not be in any commercials next year and that's partly because he's in Cleveland. If, if Baker Mayfield were a Dallas Cowboy, even with the way he's playing, he'd be in commercials. Yeah. So, uh, again, we're, we're LeBron, talking markets thing. LeBron James played in Cleveland in the beginning of his career, too. And he was a yeah, okay. So you cherry-picked literally the biggest athlete <laughs> superstar in the history of American right, sports. He, is Russell Wilson one of the – No, he's not. That's my point. But going to most marketable people in the NFL? Five most? No, I don't think so. Maybe he he's in the top fifteen for sure. I don't know that he's even in the top ten. I don't know. It's not even the point. I, I'm not I'm not arguing for him. I'm saying that there is reportedly real interest there, and a lot of it has to do with his after life. <laughs> his, his afterlife. His afterlife. Yeah. Wow. Well, he's I not, mean, playing behind this offensive not, line. He's not Jesus Christ. He's Lazarus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um. So I mean, maybe. As far as backup quarterbacks for next year goes, since we know it's not going to be Glennon, but we want someone with an arm, you're thinking Jameis Winston, right? Please. God. You, you want to see me swinging from a, a, a tree somewhere and hanging myself? <laughs> uh, let me, let's go back one more thing about Russell Wilson before you we got move it. on. Mm-hmm. If Russell Wilson is the quarterback and nothing else changes, how good is his team? Oh, come on. 
We all know the answer. I know I know where you're going with that, but yeah, I agreed. Agreed. But I think also it's one of those things where it's like you draft a Josh Rosen, but Kyler Murray is falling into your lap sort of situation. It's like, yeah, the kid had a bad year. I still think we can work with him. I believe in him a lot, but I'm not passing up this opportunity for you. I think that's a lot of people's thinking with the Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones thing. Right, but I'm, I'm just asking that, you know, how much, you know, with, with the same level of talent coming into this roster, into this season, and then with the injuries that happened, I mean, this team. Even I agree. Jimmy, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's my bigger point of this whole thing is that this is not a quarterback problem with this team. That I know people are not convinced on Daniel Jones or people never wanted him in the first place. Well, nobody should be convinced. Right, right, of course. But he is not the reason this team is where it is right now. You know, he might be in one of the seven reasons, but he is not number one and not number two and probably not number three either. So even if you you bring in a, a Russell Wilson, you're not getting you're not moving the needle that much on this team making that big leap from being a bad bad team to all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's not like bringing in Tom Brady to the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, there's more wins there if Russell Wilson's here, but I mean, at best, you're looking at a, the 2016 Giants, which is that is that is no, that's not happening. I'm sorry, not with the not with what happened this year. At best, you're looking at maybe the 2015 Giants or something like that, where they'd still miss the playoffs, but they were kind of competitive. It was down to the wire at the end there, something like that. There, there's no way they were winning 12 games with Russell Wilson this year. So now, I, I don't know, it's talking out of my ass. Now, Grump, there is one thing, though, that's going to make this team better, and we're seeing it every week. It's the defense on this team. It is the defense on this and team. And every week we are seeing from a very shaky start to this season, we are seeing a defense get better and better and better. And even with having guys off the street in the secondary mm-hmm. and all the things we have going on, you know, they did their best. And I guess – the best thing I can say about Joe Judge right at this moment is this is a defense that's getting no help from the offense. None. None. No help from special teams. None of this stuff and has not quit. They no. are still playing for their head coach. They are still playing for their defensive coordinator. They are playing for themselves. So that, you know, is something, you know, if we're looking for things to get excited about for next year and it's, for, you know, the hell with Jake Fromm. The hell with Mike Glennon. Right. Look at the other side of the field. Now, one of the things that, that, that Grump and I were talking all game was what the hell was Dallas thinking in their game planning? Why were they not attacking the obvious weak points of this defense last year? Why did they play so conservatively? Why did they just want to play to just get through this game, get out of there with a win, and that's that? But the defense still had to execute. And the defense made a very, very good offense look very, very pedestrian. Yeah, I mean, there was that point in the second quarter there where Dallas was just punishing for several minutes running the ball. And, you know, I mean, that's that's not really what they want to do that early. I mean, that's kind of their closeout, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how they, they end games they, there. But but they're, they, they, they put up points. They throw down field. They were throwing down the field a little bit. They got They got some big plays here and there. But... This should have been a nightmare, and I mean, we stayed at this game way longer than I wanted to. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it was just, there was no re- I mean, it was close enough. We were arguing over going for it on fourth down and stuff like that in the stands. It's just like it shouldn't have happened. This this game we should have been and especially the way the second quarter was looking, you know, the second quarter was brutal for the Giants there. I mean, they really got their teeth kicked in on the ground, but they stayed in this whole game and and there were there were some really bright spots there. Lorenzo Carter, you know, I know he's in a contract year. He's probably not a starter. He's probably not, but and and I, I get that you know Ty Insecki's playing left tackle for Tyron Smith here, so don't think that that goes over my head. But on the first drive alone, he had a tackle for a loss, a batted pass that he nearly also almost picked, and almost had a strip sack on the first drive. He would later have two more sacks in this game. Um, Lorenzo Carter easily had the best game that I remember seeing him in. I would have to dive into his early stuff to to find a game where he was more of an had more of an impact than this game. Can I uh can I throw an out of the box thought I had at you and tell me if I am completely crazy or not that it would ever happen but do you think this is something that could possibly make sense? None of us are really impressed with Dan, with um Joe Judge overall. We you know we're not really thrilled with his uh, decision-making, clock management, uh, the over-conservatism. But we also know that the Giants do not like change. They like, they are loyal. They don't like to upset the apple cart. What do you think about the thought of, if there's a new GM, launching Joe Judge and elevating Patrick Graham to be the next head coach. We know Patrick Graham is probably going to interview for head coaching jobs around the league this offseason. He did last year, or I think he had interviews and, and canceled interviews. There definitely had interest from in other teams. Do you think that, you know, if, if to kind of keep some sort of continuality with this team from this coaching staff to the next, would you be in favor of a move like that? Or, I would – I don't think you're nuts. I think that the, I would – if I had to choose and say, you know, one of these two guys are going to go, it's either going to be Joe Judge or Patrick Graham, I'm going to be much more upset if it's Patrick Graham that's going. Uh, that's for sure. But, I mean, I'm just – I'm lukewarm on the idea, and that's that's because Patrick Graham it's, – it's not as if Patrick Graham has some head coaching credentials – um, it's not he, – he's just – he's a very good defensive coordinator, but he's also a very young defensive coordinator. It's not like he's been a defensive coordinator for a very long time. He could get figured out and be not that impressive, you know, for next year and for forever. So, I, you know, to me – and this is my biases and this is my immediate answer. I'd probably have to think about it a little bit more. But one of the things that I do love so much about Joe Judge is that he is so – CEO like and hands off. I hate seeing offensive coordinators or head coaches that are just buried in a playbook. I hate seeing defensive coordinators doing the same thing. I really, really dislike that. I like guys detached from the side of the ball, managing the game. You know, now Joe Judge does these things and he mismanages the fucking game. So there's, there's, you know, whatever. But I don't know what we're going to get with Patrick Graham. He is such a good defensive coordinator. He's so creative. And, you know, that must require a ton of hands-on stuff. And if you're telling me that moving him to head coach is going to make that suffer, I have to believe that it would make it suffer. I want to know what the head coaching benefit is of Patrick Graham. Is it simply to keep him here? I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. 
I mean, again, my thinking for this is, again, how the Giants, they believe in keeping it in the family. And, you know, there's more than likely the next GM is going to be someone who's either in the building right now or has ties to the Giants in a past life. Um, and again, this my thought also is he's probably going to get some interest somewhere else. So the league and other teams are very curious on whether this guy could be the guy. I mean, I guess the first thing is you have to make the decision. Do you want to move on from Joe Judge or not? And that's probably not going to happen. This is kind of a moot exercise, but – if yeah, you were, if, if you're if you're asking me if we're gonna pull a Ben McAdoo kind of situation where it's like we're gonna lose him, we got to make him head coach. I don't want to do that. Okay, that's fair. I I uh, just I think that that's like that just screams panic to me. Well, again, I'm, I'm only reason I'm even thinking this because I know the way the Giants work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's again, I would if I was an owner, if if I was a GM, I would not operate the way this organization operates where you know everything is inside the giant bubble i mean we have a decade of futility there's been other errors eras of the giants where they've done that same thing and the league has had to step in and force a general manager on this organization you know because the family business doesn't run that way i'm just saying that you know that might be a, that could be some quarter that might be an appeasement thing for a new GM with ownership. Maybe it's like, okay, I, you know, new GM comes in. I'm not a Joe judge guy. I don't want him. That could be some sort of thing that's worked out is they, they keep Patrick Graham. I'm just saying it's just something to think about. Sure. Do do we, do we, it's a possibility that it comes up. You know what I mean? The fact is, is if, if he's going on head coaching interviews, then you have to prepare for the fact that he's going to leave. And you, that means you have to prepare for, do I fire Joe Judge to keep Patrick Graham here, is is really what ends I, up happening. I, I think I don't, I don't now, I'm not trying to split hairs, but I don't fire Joe Judge to keep Patrick Graham. To me, it's, if the decision is made, I don't want Patrick Graham anymore. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want Joe Judge anymore. Then do you consider him? Absolutely. My first, my first move would be, but which, which might make the selling of firing Joe Judge to ownership a little more palatable. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I I don't think so either. But that's it's just that is such a that's a huge switch from an investment they made into another guy that has no background. Like this is just another swing for the fences while you're in mid swing. You know, so yeah. I, I just – and I get it. There's plenty of reasons to be like I'm out on Joe Judge. I don't know that I'm there yet, but if I, – I, I get it for the people who are. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I'm very uh, – the jury is definitely out, but I am definitely – That car is teetering I, off the cliff. But I'm, I'm in the liberation room making my case that I really don't want him. You know, I'm mm-hmm. trying to get other jurors to say maybe we go to my side and probably get rid of him. But I'm not there yet. Um, other than that, I guess I guess the last thing, the, the last thing to really end on here is a bit of a sad note. Sterling Shepard tears his Achilles in this game. It, it, it really in a useless game, in a useless moment, in a useless game. Uh, and because of his yeah. cap situation next year, I think we've really seen the very last of Sterling Shepard in Giants blue, unless he retires here. 
you yeah. know, on one of those one day contracts or whatever. I have to, I, I want to retract. Um, I tweeted something out yesterday in the moment of it that I, again, it was, it, it, I was trying to kind of, I was just very frustrated and aggravated with everything yesterday, equating the, okay, you brought in the backup quarterback and you're forcing things. And that's one of the reasons why he got hurt, which you know, obviously watching the film again and everything that that's pretty silly and yeah. kind of it's kind of a stupid thing to say, but it's really unfortunate for a guy like him because, you know, he's a good guy. You know, he's a good guy. He's been a really good giant. He's had tough breaks. He's been through a lot with this team. He has potential to make some money somewhere else. And uh, but it's a serious injury, too. It's a very it's a very serious injury at the worst time of the season. It's not like it happened in week two and you can recover all mm-hmm. off the you know the rest of the season off season and stuff it's like you're starting from square one at the very beginning so it's it's a real i mean he's never going to be a ring of honor guy he's never going to be you know but he's going to be one of those guys where if he comes back to if they ever retire i don't know saquon barkley's number or something he'll be one of those guys who's going to be on the you know the uh the stage you know wearing mm-hmm. his, his uniform with him and he'll get a nice round of applause he's that type of guy so it, it's it's too bad um but you know it's a tough game in any case, the Giants play the Eagles next week. That's important. It's always important. Um, there won't be Daniel Jones, but there'll be people complaining about whatever quarterback's in there. So be sure <laughs> to see us on Christmas Eve. Are we going to do an episode Thursday night? Uh, I will be – God, I'm a freaking loser. I will be at the Gasparilla Bowl watching Florida play UCF if I do not have COVID. Um, so we will record – Somewhere, some point. Uh, Grump, are you around during the day to record? Because I can do it during the day, probably. I think so. I don't think I got a whole lot going on that day. So, whatever. The point is, well, there will be a Christmas Eve. You guys all get a new, a very early Christmas present. Your Christmas Eve morning, you will have a new episode of Just Giants for you, previewing that very important Eagles game. <laughs> hey, you know something? We laugh, but you know something? That's what makes football better than any other sport and we had this discussion last night about you know college versus nfl it doesn't matter when you're playing the teams you hate you still want to beat those teams you know let's be cranky man seriously how good would it feel to win and knock knock out their chances of going to the playoffs entirely i don't know i don't don't know if they have a mathematical chance but if they do i want to be the team that knocks them out after what those scumbags did last year and Mm -hmm. you know trying to draft by trolling this year and all the bullshit they've done you know over over time and everything and for their you know their idiotic cheesesteak fans and, and everything it would be fantastic i mean at this point now all we are looking for are moral victories things that we can just say give, give us anything we've been suffering through horrible football we're suffering through a bad roster having these inane debates about backup quarterbacks and chirp and jesus christ it would be great to win two in a row against Philly this year. Yeah, would really would. That would be three in a row, actually. Yeah. So you know something. Let's 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 go down there. Let's 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 win a football game and at least feel good about ourselves for a, a couple of moments in our life. I would like that. So be sure to listen to that episode Christmas Eve morning or whenever that Christmas weekend. Um, as always, we're on. Where are we? We're on Twitter at football underscore grump and at the cranky fan as well as the show at just giants pod. And of course we are on YouTube as well, where you can see our bright smiling faces. 
Um, Grump? Yep. I was going to say, uh, well, I will talk to you before, but if not, to you and to all of our you know, loyal listeners and viewers, Merry Christmas. It's been a rough year, you know, football-wise and health-wise and everything, but, uh, you know, we're all glad we're all in this together. It's been great meeting all of you guys at the tailgates, you know, with uh, with Justin and, 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 and Snacks and those guys at, at L16. It's been great, you know, with Twitter with all of you guys. It's been great with everything, and let's just uh, – Let's finish the season strong and get ready for the rebuild of this team together. <laughs> All right, guys. So we will see you soon. Go Giants. Go Giants.